Buckle up, it's time for That's How I Roll with Jeremiah Isley, a podcast about the games we play and the lives we live. That's How I Roll is presented by Theology of Games. Visit theologyofgames.com for the latest in tabletop gaming, news, reviews, and interviews. And now, here's Jeremiah. Hey everyone, welcome to That's How I Roll. This is a super, super special episode. It's number 81, and it is the first ever episode recorded entirely on the floor of Origins Game Fair here in Columbus, Ohio, at booth number 359. I am sitting, it's actually Friday, the morning that I'm releasing this, uh, here before the show opens, just grabbing my intro and outro, because what I have for you today is... A whole lot of really, really cool interviews. We got visits from uh, the folks at Fireside Games, Kurt Covert of Smirk and Dagger, uh, Brenna and Tim from Starling Games, and also uh, Chris from uh, Calliope Games showed us the Mansky caper, and we rounded out the day with Jason Katarski from Green Couch Games. Now, uh, they're going to be talking about games that we had physically here in the booth. And if you want to see what we were talking about, simply go to facebook.com slash theology of games, and you'll be able to see all of the Facebook live videos there. And we've been posting pictures throughout the day uh, over on our Instagram account. So you can do that and uh, find all the, the wonderful imagery to go along with this audio and uh, it's, it's awesome. It's been a great time so far. We had a really good turnout for our first contest last night at five o'clock today. We are at least giving away, um, a copy of decrypto from yellow games, a copy of Yokohama with some cool promos and metal coins and things like that. A copy of before the earth explodes from green couch game, games as well as a copy of Seafall and I just got a really sweet set of ceramic dice from Crit Hit Ceramics. They are amazing. (laughs) These are some really cool dice and uh, they're not cheap folks. It's a $50 set of dice that you could win for free if you're at Origins and listening to this. Stop on by the booth and we'll tell you how. All right, so I'm going to stop talking about all of that stuff. It's time to just jump into this episode. Let's uh, go ahead and get started with all these wonderful interviews, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. We're here at Origins Theology of Games is in origins. It's crazy and amazing and awesome. Uh, sitting next to me is Justin DeWitt from Fireside Games. Hello, everybody. And uh, Justin, you've brought by something that looks pretty cool <laughs> sitting I'd, on the table. Like Those listening, you got to find the video somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is Remnants. This is our newest release. Uh, super excited to have it. It is... Um, uh, a little delayed, more than we wanted. It was supposed to be available for sale at Origins. It turns out it's still on a boat, so we didn't quite make it in time, but it is coming out it's very soon. It's on a soon. boat. Yes, literally. <laughs> it's on a boat. Um, 
Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic survival game. So for those of you at home, we're looking at this board in front of us that looks all deserty, wastelandy, with a ruined city on the edges. Yes. And then I've got uh, my player board in front of me, which is my compound. I just randomly pulled out Asheville, which is my compound. You would have one if we were actually playing two. Everyone gets cool. a compound. We're all trying to level those up. And the whole idea is really to survive. That's really what this game's about. It's cut into a couple of different phases. Um, you're going to roll a dice in a real-time race to get resources from this board. These little tokens that look like wood, plastic, rope, cloth, and metal. You know, the remnants of civilization. Right. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, I see what yeah. you did there. Like that. Very, yes. very sneaky, yes. Um, you're going to pull those back, and that's a real-time race, meaning if I get more than you or if you get more than me, you may actually be able to shut someone out a little. Bring those back. Then you're going to spend those on this deck of cards that's over here. So I've laid out a 9x9 nine nine grid of these cards. There's nine. Right. Fa those are face up, and then we got the re refill face down. Okay. Le levels 1, 2, and 3, and they do a bunch of different things. Um, the trick is each of those uh, cards has a cost in resources. So it might take ah. like two wood, a rope, a metal, and a cloth to buy that shotgun over there. And, the, and you're buying a bunch of different things. You're buying weapons that are going to be used to fight off raiders that are coming later. You're buying defensive cards that are shields, which also help with attacking creatures and raiders. Okay. And then you're getting specials that are going to do things like get you more resources, get you some VP, maybe let you convert resources in mid-game, um, all sorts of stuff like that. And you can buy from any of these when they're available as long as you have the cash, so to speak, with the, uh, uh, the resources. And you're doing that because the, every other turn, when our little dread track here on the side of the board gets to one of these red spaces, we're going to have to fight the top bad guy card. And so it, at the beginning of the game, we know what's out there. We know what's coming at us. Um, and as he gets closer and closer, we get worried. Then when he's on a red square, we actually have to fight him. Got and it. these cards have uh, a bad guy on them of some sort. It could be either a, a, like a Mad Max-style raider guy, or it can be a mutant creature of some kind. They have a health in the corner that you have to beat in order to defeat them. They have a special ability. And then there's a reward if you beat him and a punishment if you lose to them. So there's a bit of combat in it. The game itself is uh, not cooperative. It's more indirectly competitive. I'm never going to attack your base or anything like that. What okay. I am, but we are going to be struggling for resources. And if you really wanted that shotgun and I bought it in front of you, tough. Right, right. <laughs> That's how the apocalypse <laughs> works, right? So, yeah, you're, meanwhile, you're trying to, you can get more people if your people get injured, because that's a real thing in the game. And it's all based on the end having victory points, because after we fight a level one boss, then a level, oh, I'm sorry, a level one raider, level two threat, and then a uh, boss at the end, we'll tally up all the score and see what we got. And you get points for everything from buying cards, uh, to having healthy survivors at the end of the game, to winning combat against the bad guys. And we track those victory points with one of my favorite uh, mechanics ever, ketchup packets. Be <laughs> because in the future, flavor is the most valuable commodity. So <laughs> Flavor counts. Yes, flavor counts. All that those boiled rats you're eating or whatever, the ketchup is what's going to keep you happy. So, <laughs> so that's the kind of high-level overview of what's going on. I laid out chunks of that. I didn't lay out the whole game because it takes up a bit of table space. But uh, sure. that is the thing we're shooting at here, this post-apocalyptic real-time slash engine builder thing yeah. going on. What, uh, what's the MSRP on it? What, what's it going to set people uh, back? $39.95. Cool, cool. And you said it's... It's on a boat. It's it stuck. Is. So you're hoping for a July release? That then? is the plan. We were originally hoping for June, which is why it would have been a great Origins take-home present. Instead, you can pre-order and get our cool promo card. But uh, the, uh, the thing now is, yeah, it looks like it's going to be in stores July 1st. So cool. just in time for some holiday gaming on July 4th, I'm hoping for a lot There of you go. So, yeah. 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 And of course, if you're going to Gen Con... Then. Oh, it's definitely gonna be yeah, there. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So you, uh, so Fireside, uh, this is like the latest, greatest. Um, what's what's coming next for you guys? Are you do you have something cool in the pipeline you want to talk about? We do. Yeah. Um, I mean, the next thing right now is uh, Grackles is the next game. That is our okay. uh, completely different from Remnants. It's an abstract strategy game, uh, uh -huh. real lightly themed. You're literally trying to get birds uh, called Grackles that we have down in uh, Texas and all over the U.S. You're trying to get them on phone lines. That's what they do. They're famous for lining up on phone lines, and you're trying to do that with these colored uh, uh, little uh, bird tokens. So the idea being, I've laid there are tiles that have four, one of each color. 
uh, black, green, blue, and purple. And uh, you're going to lay those out and try to connect spaces because on your turn, you're going to put birds down connecting one of your dot on one tile to any other color of your dot on another tile in a straight line. You cover up everything in between, which means you're blocking everybody else's colors and all that. But you can't cross your own line and no one else can cross it either. So it really mm. is this sort of, I own this space, you own that space. And you're either on your turn laying a new tile to get some new spaces to play with, or you're laying out birds to connect dots, which is always good. You can make a line of birds longer if you can, either way on the front or the back of the line. And mm. then the last thing you can just rotate one of those tiles to line up all that stuff real good. So nice. um, super easy to play. I've literally taught you the game. Now if we just had it in front of us, it would we be easy. We could actually play it, right. <laughs> Exactly. And everybody's their own color of birds. Like I might be the purple player, you might be the green player. You have these really okay. awesome plastic little bird tokens that you're putting out. Um, and the game goes, uh, it's kind of neat that the tiles are, they are the board, and it's different every time you play. There's two starting tiles, but then you, on your turn, the players build it out up, down, left, right, however they want. Nice. But it can only ever be five by five. So you're going to hit this okay. limit where, oh, we can't go that way anymore. Yeah. So it always floats around how it's going to be built. And then uh, uh, once everybody has got to the point where they have to pass, they can't do any more actions, it's over. You add up how many birds got out onto the board, highest number wins. Nice. So, very easy, nice. very clean. That was going to be our super big Gen Con release. And we're still planning to have it at Gen Con, but we're going to have to fly some over because it's having production issues too. <laughs> the plastic bird tokens that I love so much took a little longer than they should have. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that happens. That, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I talk to so many people who run into the same issues. I, basically, when I meet another <laughs> publisher, it's like, how you doing? What game of yours is late? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had a conversation like that with another guy last night. Right. Like, once I get this one done, oh, it's going to be so great. Right. Like, yeah, sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you're, you know, Grackles down mm -hmm. in Texas. Yep. Uh, Fireside's based in Texas. Yep. How long have you been with Fireside now? Uh, day one. Uh, my wife and I started the company together back in 2008 oh, officially. Okay, yeah. yeah okay. And it, we started it with my game, Castle Panic. That was the first yes, one we yeah, did. We're yeah. like, let's let's take this chance. Let's launch this company because we think this is a good game. And we turned out to be right. People yeah, loved it. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, it's been my full-time gig. Anne-Marie came on officially in 2012 uh, or 13. I think it was 13. Um, okay. And that was the year we did our famous tour we're known for, where we literally piled everything we needed into a van and lived on the road for 10 years. Wow. I'm sorry, 10 months, not years. Oh, I was going to say, that's a long time. No, 10 months is still a long time. Yeah, we basically yeah, lived sure. in hotels. We did conventions. We did store visits. We were at every, we did Gen Con and then drove back to do other things. We ended up like Portland and stuff. It was awesome. Wow. Uh, and that was really, really good for the company. It's been us ever since with a few other employees kind of coming and going. Yeah. Um, and then we have some contract people we work with. So it's uh, it's just still a small company. You know, we're not one of those right, people that right. has like, we don't have an office. We work out of our home because it's it, it works better. <laughs> what, like, what made you think, hey, let's, let's make a game and make this our life like why 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 did you choose gaming as yeah. a sort of a career yeah yeah it, it's a, a combination of mild injury no no it's uh it was it was a logical <laughs> decision um i loved games growing up uh, as, yeah. as a kid i played all the time all the classic stuff back then you know the monopolies parcheesi etc love stratego that had a little more to it um, and then uh, fell in love with video games, so I fell out of it for a while. But I, I would make my own games when I was a kid. Just bring things over to friends. Like, hey, let's play this. It's not Stratego. It's like Stratego. I like to tell people one of my first right. ones was a Tron game. Because when I said nice. the original, not, not Legacy, the original Tron. Um, <laughs> Tron, uh, the one I, I, I loved it so much, I want to make a light cycle game. And when my mom took me to the store, there wasn't one to buy. So I had to make my own game because I wanted to. Um, fell out of games when I grew up a little bit. And then in around 2000, I played uh, Settlers. And it was like, oh, games have changed. They're so much better than they were. Yeah. And I was obsessed. I couldn't stop tinkering again. It brought back all those old ideas of, ooh, what if you did this? And these cards could go like this. And what if dice worked like that? It became my evening and weekend obsession, and I made other friends play it, and some of them were good. And when we got to that point where Castle Panic was not only working, but people asked for it. They're like, bring that Castle game next weekend. I'm like, okay, cool. Nice. We're like, we should do something with this. And that was back in like 2000 and. 
oh gosh, 2003, maybe four. Okay. And then uh, um, worked on it a lot, on and off. I ended up getting a job at Steve Jackson Games doing production work for them mm. and decided, eh, it's not really a right fit. I think I'm still going to go on our own. And that's when Amber and I talked about, like, look, we believe in the game. Let's take this chance. We've always wanted to run our own business. We saved up as much of my salary as we could and lived off of hers for a couple of years. And then we had enough to pay for the printing. And we decided we're, we're going to regret doing it or not doing it. I'd rather regret not. Do, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, like, we can, if we lose this money, we can still eat. We're okay. But let's try this. <laughs> and this is before Kickstarter. So there was no, yeah, like. I was going to say, that's pre-Kickstarter. Yeah, so there's yeah. no crowdfunding. Nope. Yeah. We, right. did, we did the uh, crazy thing of literally taking our, basically, life savings and throwing it at this. So uh, we, we, and it, and it worked. We, we, that's great. We were smart. We asked, asked, I like to say I asked a lot of smart people a lot of dumb questions to get that out of the way early. Yeah, right. Got some great help along the way, great advice, and made a bunch good connections, learned a ton, and we launched it. It did great, and so immediately, well, not immediately, I actually had to go back to work for Steve Jackson Games for a few months to pay for shipping. <laughs> we, hadn't, we hadn't done all the math right, and it was like, oh, this is going to cost more than we thought. Hey, Phil, can I come work for you for a few months? And he let me come back. The irony That's was I ended great. up staying for like nine months there, and Emery sort of was like, Justin, uh, somebody needs to be working at Fireside full-time. Okay. Right, <laughs> right. So I had to come home, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, I mean, that's that's awesome, and you know, you hear so much of that now. Like, Yes, it's way easier now because of crowdfunding yes. and Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Like, we totally get that, and it's really helped the industry in a lot of ways. Right. That's uh, good for you. Yeah. You know, that's just a great story. It of, was a crazy adventure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's something, those 10 months on the road. And oh, all yeah. That, like, you'll never forget that. No. That'll be something that'll just... It's been great. And uh, that's awesome that now that you've gone through that and mm -hmm. Fireside is has become a very well-known Oh, brand in the industry, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I say Castle Panic to just about anybody. Right. And, oh yeah, that's a great game. I love oh, that yeah, game. I love that game. <laughs> good, uh, good. My my kids included. We we have a great time with it. They good, love that good. game. So, awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's very cool. I just I'm glad I'm glad you shared that because I like to, yeah. to hear a little more about the crazy how it know, got started. Yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody's got one. And these days, I know a lot of people are like, I did my first Kickstarter and it worked, so I did another one. Like that's cool. Yeah. I had to bet my life savings <laughs> and made a lot of terrible mistakes on the way, but yeah, it's good. No. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that's just. I, I like to tell people it's like, look, you got to do what you love, and I think it's always better to take a risk on something. Uh, I don't envy guys getting in the industry right now, though. It's so different than it was when we got started yeah, ten right, years ago. Right. Man, it is just a madhouse, and so much is different. Up and down, all the tiers of distribution are changing. I right. mean, uh, Kickstarter's been amazing, but it's been hugely disruptive, and it's fascinating to see where we're going to be in like another five years or something. Sure, so, sure. Um, yeah, amazing time. It's a heck of a ride. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much again for stopping by. Yeah, you really bet. appreciate it. Uh, Remnants again, July first. That is the plan. <laughs> Head up your uh, retailers. Yes, and, definitely. Uh, you know, Gen Con and wherever else you might yeah. want to pick, uh, find a copy. Yeah. And uh, cool. Well, thanks so much right for stopping on. by. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great it. con. Yeah, you too. All right. <laughs> We're here with Kurt Covert, which is the coolest name yet. I thank that you. we've had in the booth by far. <laughs> <laughs> so here with Theology of Games at Origins, we're live on the floor, and uh, you've brought a monstrosity. I have it back. <laughs> I remember seeing prototypes of this last year at your booth and just going, what is that? It's it's crazy. So tell us about well, it. I'll stop talking. You, you, can, you can tell us about it better than I can. So this is the Tower of Madness, and uh, it is a uh, at its core a dice game. Okay. With a 15-inch three-dimensional clock tower filled with marbles and 30 plastic tentacles coming out of every wall of the tower. It's 
It's beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you think about what this tower is, um, it's the same kind of dramatic tension that gets added to like the RPG Dread when they use the Jenga tower. Okay. So we're using a familiar kind of a theme to add tension to a dice game. Nice. So you're okay. rolling dice trying to uh, solve this investigation, this horrific location. Right. And if you fail, you have to draw from the tower and then marbles will potentially fall out of the tower. Okay. But not all of the marbles are bad. There's a reason why we're investigating these places. Mm. So, blue marbles are worth three points in victory, just like being the lead investigator at the mines would be nine. So, these are great things. Nice. Um, you start with two spells, which have, of course, both a sane and an insane side, by the way. Of course. Um, but um, the only way you get more is if white marbles drop out of the tower in the forbidden knowledge. Oh, okay. But all this comes at a risk. So, red marbles are madness. You collect four of these that drop out of the tower, and now you switch sides. Oh. You're no longer an investigator. Now you are... You're stark raving mad. Stark raving mad, <laughs> and you're trying to summon Cthulhu. You don't care about points. You don't care about dice. When it's your turn, you're drawing tentacles, trying to summon Cthulhu. And nice. when Cthulhu will rise, if the third green doom marble drops out of the tower before the investigators finish the stack of locations they're investigating. Okay. And if you are the insane player that caused the third marble to drop, well, that's another win condition. You're raised as the exalted okay. for summoning Cthulhu. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, but each location has a has a different rolling condition, so it changes uh, how how you play uh, or how deep the punishment is. For example, at the mines, if you fail at this location, you have to draw two tentacles out of the tower. Okay. Um, or it might be a different kind of rolling condition where, in this case, you have to lock an extra die way before you want to. Mm. Um, so that limits your choices of succeeding. Okay. Um, but in any case, it's uh, it's an exciting game. We were hoping to have it here for Origins, right. and we had a problem with the dice, so it's now going to be a Gen Con release. Okay. Okay. Um, but we are really excited about it. Uh, it's going to uh, retail for uh, for sixty bucks. Okay. And um, yeah, we're just people walking by, just like traffic stops when they yeah, see this yeah. tower. It is yeah. a spectacle for sure. Yeah. It's. It's just, it pops right off the table because, like you said, it's it's a tower. It stands off the table. Yeah. It's this great, great component. So um, you guys, uh, so you said $60 retail. Uh, you're looking at Gen Con for, uh, for the release. Um, what's... What's beyond this for you guys? Is so, there something uh, cool coming down the pipeline? Oh boy, we've, this is an exciting year for us. So we've got a bunch of, this is the first time we're gonna have five different releases. Um, oh, wow. And we, we don't even have time to talk about them all. But nice. I tell you what, I'm gonna clear this and okay. let me show you the one we are launching right here. All right. Which is the launch of our, uh, our new game title. So while you're doing that, let me ask you, yeah. um, Smirk and Dagger, you guys kind of have this, uh, the stigma or this I, I guess it's not a stigma it's just what you guys do is yeah you, you kind of make mean games right? we do yeah uh for for 15 years we've made nothing but stab your buddy games right yeah right. how like what made you decide like let's let's do that like let's make friends argue <laughs> and and test the the bounds of friendship <laughs> um i just think those games are funny yeah. Um, I've, I've just always thought that when you stir up someone's emotions, uh -huh. um, it just leads to memorable gameplay. Yeah. And I just personally happen to love games where you like line someone up in your sights and you just dig it in there and you laugh. <laughs> and that's 
smirk and dagger is right, exactly right. what that is. Perfect. So, um, so yeah, I've always had a, a real fondness for that type of game mechanic, and I dedicated my company to it. Yeah. But starting this year, um, I'm now doing this full time. And oh, coming up with five to six backstabbing games would be horrifically hard to do sure. and do well. Sure. So we decided to expand our shoulders a little bit. So we now have an imprint, Smirk and Laughter Games. Mm. Um, it's all still emotionally centered gameplay. I still want games that cause some kind of reaction at the table. Yeah. I want to impact the emotions as well as the mind. Yeah. And um, so this is the first one uh, that is coming out. And oh, do you have the cover? Thank you. Perfect. So this is Nut So Fast. Very cool. And it is a fast reaction game. Okay. So, I mean, there are games that are kind of like, you know, Ghost Blicks, uh, Jungle Speed. These are games that are in the genre. Yeah. This amps up the party atmosphere of a, okay. of a grabbing game. And what it is, um, so on my turn, I'm flipping over two cards, and I'm not comparing them to anyone else. It's just the active player. And what you're looking for okay. is exactly four of a matching nut. And as okay. soon as you see that, you grab the token. Now, if that's that's true of you know walnuts, it's true of cashews, and there's one less of those than there are players. So someone's not okay. going to get one, and they take the points. Gotcha. Pistachios. No matter how many players there are, there's only one. So whoever mm -hmm. grabs that, you get to decide who's going to take the points. Oh, nice. And then the almond, curiously enough, is not pictured on any of the cards, and he's there to mess with your head. <laughs> the only reason you grab the almond is if you see exactly seven of nuts. Like, seven cashews, don't grab the cashews. Grab, grab the, the almond. almond. Uh, or two sets of four. So four walnuts, four cashews, don't grab either of them. Grab the almond. Now, someone's going to screw it up. They're going to grab the wrong thing. They end up taking penalty points, you okay. know, two off the top. And uh, they get to zero out their score as a result. It's a rare, oh, wow. it's a rare, rare uh, occasion, but it's pretty cool when it happens. Nice. But the other trigger, and this is, I think, what kind of raises the party atmosphere, number cards will pop up. Oh. Now, there are three cards that will have three nutty poses indicated out here. So there'd be a number card, one, two, three, like this. Sure. So if I flip three, I do the third pose. Everyone has to now do this, nice. and the last person up is, takes all the points. Wow, okay. And just as you're like, oh, three is this, now next round, they all change. change so you're like it. constantly, yeah. I like it. So like it's, it. A, it's a frenetic, uh, you know, laugh out loud kind of a, a game of mistakes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and this is doing extremely well over at the booth. Uh, it's 20 bucks. It comes with like all these really high quality wooden say, tokens. The components look great. The, yeah. The nuts they're super are like chunky. Big, chunky wooden, like printed nuts. on. Yeah. It's not, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Screened on, yeah. That's very cool. Um, so this is um, this is doing extremely well. Awesome. It's an absolute party just waiting to happen. Very cool. Um, do we do we have like half a yeah. minute left? Yeah. What do you got? All right, because I, I got to show you this thing too. Um, th it was not uh, too unusual, I think, for Smirk and Dagger to come out with a game like this. You know, kind of a, a boisterous party. But this next one uh, is is really unusual. Like, if Smirk and Dagger came out with this, people would lose their minds, like, who are you guys anymore? We don't even understand. So, this is Before There Were Stars. Okay. And this is the most emotionally rewarding storytelling game I've ever seen. Really? Um, it is a story, uh, it, it's, it's a game about telling creation myths. So, there's a constellation row. 
with all these different constellations. And on your turn, you take these star-pipped dice and you roll the night sky. You okay. scan the heavens looking for constellations that you might see that night. So if I have a, a six and a two, I could bring the axe into my story or the mm. bear if I had those dice. Okay. Every turn, I'm going to take two cards into my story. And then I start, I have about a minute to say, all right, well, in the beginning, and I'll use those two concepts to now tell the story of how the universe started. Nice. And then chapter two, two more cards and one from the past. Now it's the dawn of civilization. How do we get here? Right. And then a great hero emerges. And finally, end of days. Is this going to be doom and gloom? Is it going to be hopeful? You decide. Yeah, yeah. And no one's taking your story off course. You decide what the story is going to be and you own it. Cool. Now there is scoring and uh, it's private. So you hand your offering bag around the table at the end of every chapter, and people will put either two, three, or four points worth of the star beads in your bag. Okay. But you don't know what's going on, right? Right. And importantly, what you're scoring for is not who is the best presenter, not who told the funniest joke, but who had the coolest moment in their story. Okay. And this really levels the playing field. Even people who are not super confident storytellers can do really well at this right. game. Right, they have some cool idea about it, what that story exactly, is. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, and the most important point of the game, and one of the reasons I love it so much, is since scoring is secret, we haven't shared what we thought was really cool mm. uh, about each other's stories. And the last point of the game, it's one bonus point in the appreciation round. Uh -huh. I'm gonna go around and I'm gonna highlight one or two things I heard that I really enjoyed. You know, when you told the story about the goddess weeping and it filled the oceans, that was a beautiful image, I loved that. But you, sir, you had those two giants warring over the one eyeball, one eyeball, one could look at the past, one could look at the future. Uh -huh. So cool. Right. Bonus point for you. Nice. So now we've heard six really cool stories. People have started telling us like what they love, and someone has told you what they liked about your story in particular. So you walk yeah. away from the table feeling like, this was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's a heartwarming, really feel-good game. You hear some really interesting stories I'm sure. yeah. about creation myths. That's so, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, not what I would expect. Exactly, from right. Trick and Dagger, yeah. but still, just a, a really cool sounding game. Yeah, very cool. So, this is also going to be uh, August for Gen Con. Okay. Um, and this is going to appeal, I think, very broadly to people. We, all the components we made, you know, it's almost appropriate for like a wine table almost. Like, so sure, you can have like yeah. a couple's night even with this game. Yeah. Um, uh, role players are going to love it, board yeah. gamers are going to love it. Um, it's just, it. It, it kind of has like, a very relaxed feel, like does. just looking at the components yeah. and hearing how it plays. Yeah, just kind of a relaxed, chill out. Everybody's sitting around. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. Very cool. Well, good stuff, man. Hey, you, thank you. You guys are killing it over there. Ah, that's, well, thanks. That's great. Yeah. Um, thanks, you know, for bringing this stuff by. Um, if people want to get a hold of you guys, yeah, where where should they do that? Just smirkandagger.com. So, yeah, smirkandagger.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at smirk ampersand dagger. Okay. Um, uh, we post all live news up there and everything nice. else. So yeah, nice, very cool. All right, Kurt, thanks so much for stopping uh, by. I appreciate. It. Thank you. All right, we are here with Tom Hirama. Tim. Tim, wait, wait, what did I say, Tom? <laughs> we're good. Oh, man. <laughs> Off to a good start. <laughs> All right, so we're here with Tim, and uh, he is, it's player's choice on this. It's either Archmage or Archmage. Uh, but this is the game. It's right here. You can read it. You can say it however you prefer. Uh, it's... It's gorgeous, first of all. Thank you, Rick. Congratulations. It looks awesome. Uh, tell us about tell us about the game. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna stop talking and messing things up. 
All right. I'll, I'll let you start messing things up. All right. So Archmage is set in a fantasy universe, uh, but it is not your typical dungeon crawl. There's no dice rolling. There's no player stats. It's a Euro game in disguise. You've got resource management. You've got exploration. You've got action points. All those uh, sort of beloved um, mechanics. Cool. So, Very cool. The setting is... Uh, you're living in a land that's fallen into ruin and magic has been lost. So the board will actually start in its unexplored sort of state that you can see remnants of here. We've set up the game partway through. Okay. And um, then you're going to gradually explore these lost ruins and interact with the map. But where I usually actually like to start the explanation is over here on the player boards, um, which is where you're going to spend the majority of your efforts. So this is the magic system. I mean, in any good fantasy novel, you need an intriguing magic system as the hook. So this is the hook for Archmage. You've got uh, six interlocking spheres of magic, each which have their own particular flavor. From the blood magic sphere, which is offensive, to nature, which is more about manipulating the map, to the elves, which we're going to focus on in this demo, which is the time sphere. They're going to let you do things more efficiently, move farther, etc. Sure. So, and then it's divided into three levels. You've got your fundamental spells around the outside of the wheel, your advanced level spells, a step up, and right in the center, you've got master level spells. Nice. So everybody's actually got the same 18 cards in their deck to start, but you okay. don't have access to them off the bat. Okay. okay. What you need to do is go and visit the mythic races from the board, and they will, in exchange for the relics they're seeking, teach you magic. So you want to bring some scrolls to the elves, and for every two that you bring them, they'll train some more apprentices in the fundamental time spell. Okay. So that spell will then get added to your uh, spell book, which is like your tableau of powers. Nice. Is that a chrome card? Like, is that yeah, so foil? The, in oh the deluxe my. edition, they are, awesome. <laughs> they are shiny. Ooh. That's very shiny. All right. <laughs> so fast forward a little bit further in the game, we're going to get some uh, gnomish magic going and some dwarven magic going here. And we would, as we learn those, add those to our tableau of abilities. Okay. okay. Yeah. But the cool thing is, as a human mage, your, your job is to weave these various schools of magic together, spheres of magic. So when I return to my tower on the map, I can start to blend spheres of magic together. So these two guys would duel for a promotion. One of them gets kicked back to my company. And now this guy's going to stand here and show that I now have knowledge of this divination spell, which is a combination nice. of matter and time. So as they move in, you add to the different levels on your tableau. Correct. Right. Okay. But du duplication is important because if you promoted these two up and gained the orange-purple spell, you've actually got no apprentice standing on orange anymore. You're going to have to give up that oh, orange okay. spell from your tableau. So gotcha. You're basically going to form a tableau, go out and play for a bit on the map, and then come back and form an absolutely new tableau if you choose, and set it out again. So okay. it's not a single tableau build over the course of the game. You actually get repetitive tableau building, okay. and you can adjust and find new combos within the deck. Nice, nice. Okay. If I take it one step further, I can actually go up all the way to the master by combining those and giving those up and getting the um, very powerful master-level time stop spell. Nice, nice. So is it, uh, I, I guess... Is this a lengthy game? Are we, are we talking like 90 minutes plus? Or? Uh, it depends on the number of players. Okay. Um, we tell people when you start, you're probably looking at 30 minutes per player. Okay. And it does run one to four players, so that takes anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. Gotcha. Um, but, I mean, my friend and I can probably do it in 15 to 20 minutes per player once we know all the spells sure, and are very right. familiar you're, with the rules. You're not reading the cards and trying to figure out everything. Right. Uh, what, what was the, the inspiration for this? Like, what, what made you think sit down and come up with this engine for you know building these spells and yeah it's actually you know, I mean I started with this as more of a rondell mechanic which okay didn't work my wife hated she told me to get rid of it. I ignored her took it to a game <laughs> convention they said get rid of it so I listened to them <laughs> 
Thanks, wife. Lesson Jen. learned. Yep. <laughs> listen, to, listen to your wife. Yes. Um, but I've always been a fan of fantasy novels. I have bookshelves full of fantasy novels at home, and so the fantasy setting was really appealing to me. Yeah. Um, this kind of idea of blending magic was sort of the core of what I started with and sort of built from there. Nice. Well, for the people listening and not watching, you should be watching because it looks great. Uh, uh, I was remarking as you were setting it up, the artwork looks really, really cool. And, uh, you know, really cool wooden meeple components that are all very custom cut and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, when is this available? What's the timeline for that? Okay, so uh, it successfully went through Kickstarter last June. Okay. And we are going to deliver to backers over the course of the next four to six weeks. Okay. Um, and then the game will actually be available for sale at Gen Con and be available in retail right around the same time frame. So it will be available through your friendly local game store or in your usual online channels. Awesome, awesome. What? Why game design? Like, what made you wake up one morning and say, "Huh, I think I'm gonna like put some cardboard bits together and make people sit around and look at them at a table for a while." <laughs> so I've played games for as long as I can remember. That was how my family spent quality time growing up. Yeah. And so I really developed a love of gaming and sort of saw it as a natural way to spend time. Um, I quickly fell into um, the consumerism of things, where I just continually played the next thing, the next thing, the yeah. next thing, and. Um, I started to see patterns and things that I thought I could tweak, and so we'd adjust games we played and and fi- make them quote unquote better. Right. Um, <laughs> and so then I just sort of thought, you know, I've got some unique ideas that I just want to try out. I had some friends who were willing to uh, sit down and spend time, and they've been very generous with their time over the time play testing this because it's a bit of a an epic beast. And so sure. um, I, I can't thank them enough for doing so. But for me, it was an escape from work. It's a puzzle that uh, uses my mind in a very different way from my day to day job. And um, just gave me something to do in the long Canadian winters. So, uh, <laughs> I hear they're long up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you working on? Anything else? You got it. Yeah. Most game designers I know that's like a loaded question. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how far I get. The one that's official is uh, we are working on an Archmage expansion. Okay. So we're hoping that'll come to Kickstarter in the fall. We're in development and art design and so forth for that, which will introduce uh, a new type of location into the game as well as okay. a new fundamental and advanced level spells for each of the six spheres so okay nice um, give you that just variety of play even more than what the base game contains cool very cool all right well this is this is great um again archmage or archmage uh check it out at starling games and looks really really cool thanks so much for your time today thanks for stopping by all right appreciate it all right we're here with more starling games Brenna Noonan is joining us here at the Theology of Games booth, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, of course, anytime. Glad to have you. And we're looking at a prototype of War of Whispers. Yep, so this is uh, a War of Whispers. It's on Kickstarter right now through June 21st, so definitely check it out. We're about 95% funded, so almost there, and we have some really cool stretch goals planned, so we're excited. Nice, So tell us how this thing plays. All right, so in this game, you are not Robert Baratheon. You are Varus, our little finger. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> instead of controlling these you know, powerful empires, you're actually controlling these secret societies who are pulling the strings behind the scenes, okay. influencing this war, um, and they're actually betting on the outcomes. Um, so we have our player boards over here, and these have loyalty tokens on them. Okay. And these are assigned to the different empires. Um, so that's basically how you win at the end of the game, is you're betting to see which empire can exert the most control and okay. gain the most territory. Um, so you're trying to make that happen either by 
indirectly influencing the empires you favor or by sabotaging the ones that you do not favor. Okay. <laughs> so it's um, like area influence, area control, it's shifting loyalties, things going on behind the scenes, uh, very sneaky. Uh, what's what's like the general play time? Is this like a main event type of game? Yeah, so it's two to four players um, okay. and it plays 15 minutes a player. So what we wanted okay. to do with this one was give it the feel of a war game, but in a really tight playing time. Yeah. Um, and I think we've done that. I just did a four player game a couple days ago and it was like an hour exactly. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, you said it's on Kickstarter. You've got some stretch goals coming up. What can we you tell do, us about yeah. that stuff? Um, so we're adding some more content to the game, hopefully um, with some mini expansions of cards that are just going to give you even more options. Um, and then we also have some more minis that we're going to try to bring out to make the board 3D. So that'll be really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. What's the general mechanic? Like, how do you gain influence? How do you withdraw influence? Like, how, What's the player interaction like there? Yeah, so you have these loyalty tokens. Okay. Um, so when play starts, you're placing tokens around the board, and these are giving you your actions. So this part is um, like almost worker placement. -y. Okay, yeah. Um, so these are giving you the actions. Different actions could be, you know, you can marshal more troops, you can attack into enemy territory, you can draw uh, cards. Um, so you have a lot of options. Um, so every round, you're laying down two tokens. And then the next round, you pick up one and lay down another two. So as the rounds okay. go on, you're getting more and more actions, and the board is getting more full. And uh, you know, it, it, the last round, it accelerates very quickly. Because sure. you start <laughs> out, and you're like, oh, I have so many options. And then they go away very fast. Right, so, right. so it's definitely a game where you have to forecast what you're doing and uh, really play the long game. Um, but if that doesn't work, there is an out in the game that can help you with that. Um, so say. I'm betting on red, and it's just really not going well. Like everybody else is clearly against red, and I'm—it's not going to happen for me. <laughs> um, what I can do is switch loyalties to try to improve my standing. The downside okay. of doing that is you then have to reveal them to the other players. Oh, um, so okay. now the other players have a more—they have a better sense of what so I'm they trying can to gang do. Up on you, and right? Say, well, you're not going to get that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, I, that's what I was going to ask. I just blanked for a second. <laughs> it's <laughs> no been a long day already. Not, yeah, I understand. Um, the, what's the, the base pledge to get in on this? Um, this one is, well, we have uh, two pledge levels. We have a standard edition, which is um, pretty similar to the board that you see here. Okay. Um, so it's going to be using wooden cubes. Um, yeah. And then we have a deluxe edition, which um, has some minis in it already. Okay. Um, so that'll be really cool. It's um, 49, I think, is the, the base pledge level. So. Okay, great, great. And you said it's it's on Kickstarter for a little bit longer here. Yeah, about another week. What what's your expected like? Is it Origins next year for fulfillment or? Hmm, yeah, I think we'd probably. I think we're looking at March or May of next year. Um, okay. So yeah, so potentially so it could be. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. All goes smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what else is going on at Starling Games? Obviously, this is exciting. We just talked to Tim about Archmage. Yeah. Uh, Archmage. Archmage. <laughs> uh, what else, what else have you guys got going on Yeah, there? we have a ton of stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, so we're going to have Everdell this summer, okay. um, which we're really excited about. That came out just so well. Like in, in the world of board gaming production, sometimes things go smoothly, and sometimes they uh -huh. do not. Everdell <laughs> went very smoothly. Um, so that's such a relief. It looks beautiful. We're, we have our advanced copies, so we're really excited to get awesome. that out to the Kickstarter backers, and we'll hopefully have that for Gen Con. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so... You've been you're you're entrenched in the gaming industry, <laughs> the community, if yeah. you will. Why? Why gaming? Why tabletop gaming? What Ooh. what brought you into this? 
so I actually got into board gaming by way of um, RPGs. Like I'm a, okay. hu- I'm a huge tabletop RPG junkie, so it was kind of All a right. natural progression from there. Um, I still prefer um, kind of like the more abstracted, um, cerebral, crunchy real games. Yeah, okay. Um, that's kind of where my passions lie. Um, so working at Starling, I get to do a lot of that, which is great. That's cool. <laughs> what A lot of people say we're in the middle of the golden age mm. of tabletop gaming. Uh, obviously, you know, last year Gen Con was explosively huge. Yes, and, it was. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Origins grow massively. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what do you think's bringing that o- about? Like, why? In Europe, it's it's been huge for a long time, and we're kind of catching up to that. Mm-hmm. What, why do you think that's happening here in the States? I think there's been such a proliferation in digital games of, um, like, fast food type digital games yeah, like like yeah. they just churn them out and like they're very shallow and empty mm-hmm. um, and I think people are really appreciating like the craftsmanship and the passion and the love that goes into creating a board game mm-hmm. and just like it's like an art object <laughs> like, yeah, ha- like yeah, having definitely. something that you can hold and you know it, it carries the weight of so many people's labor and love in it I think it's really special and I think people respond to that and they can feel that and the board gaming community is you know the best community <laughs> in the I, world so. you know I agree with that um I've always said, like, a board game is like a piece of art that's on your shelf. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from the design to the components to the artwork and graphics. And, mm-hmm. uh, I totally agree with you on that. I think it's something that people really appreciate that. And and I agree. I think the community is, is yeah. awesome. You know, people of all different top types of faiths and walks of life and, you know, social standings and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, hey, do you want to play a game? Like, right. that's what it gets down to. So mm-hmm. it's cool stuff. Yeah, so hopefully the uh, the renaissance continues. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm on board. <laughs> well, thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, I really thank you appreciate for having it. me. Uh, War of Whispers looks really fun. Uh, and I- I'm surprised it's like a 15-minute-per-player kind of yeah, thing. It looks yeah. like it's something that would be No, it looks much crunchier. Um, and, like, we kind of tried to evoke that in the actual design of the board. Um, like, you know, you're moving around a circle, and the impetus is on you to keep the momentum going yeah. and, like, you know, trying to get what you need before anybody else blocks you out. Um, so, yeah, once you get into the rhythm of it, it goes quick, quick. That's cool. That's great. Well, thanks so much for ringing it by. Yeah, thanks for thank stopping you. by. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Have a good con. Yeah, you too. Thanks. thanks. We're here at Origins 2018 in the exhibit hall, Theology of Games, live and in person. Sitting to my left, for those who are listening, mm-hmm. They can't see you with your bright yellow shirt. Uh, Even if they could see, it would blind them. It would, it's, that, would be, it's that yellow. It's that yellow. Uh, it's Chris Leader from Calliope Games. You have brought intrigue and suspense to the table oh, today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mansky Caper. Tell us about the Mansky Caper and everything that it involves. Oh, boy. All right. So here's the deal. <clears throat> okay. The year is 1925, and the richest and most powerful mob boss in the country is Al Mansky. Now, Al Mansky is a little bit eccentric, all right? He's got so much money. He's got gems and coins and all kinds of things, but he doesn't believe in banks. He doesn't believe in security guards. Instead, he puts all of his money into safes in all the rooms of his palatial mansion, and then... It seems reasonable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then (laughs) what he does is he booby traps them with TNT. Even more reasonable. It, It should dissuade anyone from ever trying to rob him, but guess what? 
They do. We're going to try to rob them. All right, let's do it. That's right. So we are a family of associates. Now, this is not a cooperative game, but it is a game where you sort of have to work together a little bit. But really, you want the most loot by the end of this thing. When this this mansion is in ruins, it's a smoking husk of a mansion, you want to drive away in the getaway car with the absolute most loot because, you know, that'll make you the new head of your family, basically, at that point. Right. Bragging rights. Yes. So the Masky Caper, um, you will have five rooms laid out. I've got some some things laid out here, but you'll have five rooms laid out. Some will be face down. They're locked. They're not open yet. You don't know what they are. Some will be open. Everybody will have a character. These are colorful characters like Georgie the Nose and and uh, Lucky Lucy and there's Java Joey and there's all these crazy characters. <laughs> they all have their own special skills and abilities. Okay. Um, what'll happen each turn is you'll move your character into one of these rooms. You will pick up the 3D safe. Give it a shake. Very, listen listen to it. that. Oh yeah. It. You will reach in and you will pull out some loot. Oh, I found a I found a key, so I can open one of those other rooms. Oh. Or maybe I pull it out. Oh, I found a gem and two coins. So I take one of these colorful, fancy plastic gems, and I take two coins, and I put those on top of my loot bag. Ooh, okay. look at that. My stash bag has some stuff on it, right? But it's sitting on top. I don't put it in there yet because it's still vulnerable. All right. Now, let's say I'd entered a room where there were two people, and I reach in and I pull out some loot, and I find that I got five gems. I would take, because there's two people in here, we have to split evenly, right? So I would get two, the other player would get two, and one of them would sit in the room and wait until someone left when the person who's remaining in the room gets to take it. All right, so you're pushing your luck a little bit because you wanna, you don't wanna leave that room. You wanna get the stuff. And now, when you could, what you could do on your turn is, if you've got a lot of stuff on your bag, you may want to take a turn to return to the getaway car and then put all of the stuff into your bag. Okay. And then it's safe. Okay. Now we're talking about things being safe and things could happen. Well, what could possibly happen? I, well, what could po- what, what could happen? What could go wrong? So when you reach in, sometimes you pull out one of these. TNT oh, danger it's booby trap. It's, it's, it's booby trap. You you found a danger danger. Okay. And you have tripped the booby trap. Oh boy. And what you need to do is you need to roll this fancy custom die and see what happens it's with that very trap. Fancy. It is very fancy. I love it. Now it might be everything is okay. Thumbs up. You're good. Right. You've disarmed the trap. Okay. You may find that you blow up and cartoon <laughs> style you lose everything on your bag and oh. you go flying back to the getaway car. All covered in soot. Only to start again. That's right. The loot in the room may blow up. That means everything on your bag, everyone in the room who has stuff on their bag, they lose it, and any loose loot in the room goes away. Okay. The room itself might blow up. Oh, my goodness. Which means the entire room, <laughs> the safe, everything, all of the stuff people have on their bags, the people go back to the car, it all it's is all gone. It's all out of the game. Wow. Right? Or Al himself might come back. He was heading to Boston. He forgot his sunglasses. He comes back to the house and he goes, hey, this place is a mess. Yeah. So he runs around and he cleans everything up, which means everyone loses their stuff, but they stay put. They hide behind like, you know, like plants and things they in the room. put a lampshade on your head. Exactly. Right, right. And then he leaves and you resume the game. So that's the danger, danger die. If you pull a danger, danger die, you have to roll this die. Gotcha. The other thing you might pull is a <gasps> gasp, <gasps> a gasp token. Now, gasp tokens are interesting because when you pull a gasp token, you draw and reveal one of these gasp cards, which usually starts with you find a little bit of stuff, Uh and then something happens. Like in this case, you discover the gems are fake. 
all players in this room no. discard all the gems on top of their bags. And any leftover gems in the room get discarded as well. Oh, boy. So, gasps are plot twists. They affect yeah. the game in good ways or bad ways. You just never know. Gotcha. So the game involves going into the rooms, drawing. You might get loot. You might get danger, danger. You might get gasp. That's the, that's the basic game, but the thing that's on top of that is each of these characters has their own special ability. Ah. Some let you roll that danger die twice and pick the result. Some let you change a danger into a gasp or do some different crazy things, but you cannot use your special ability for yourself. Instead, ah. at the beginning of the game, everybody gets one of these call in a favor tokens. See, we go a long way back. We owe right, each other. Right. We owe each sure, other favors. Of course. So if I want, let's say, Lucky Lucy lets me double the amount of loot I get from a gasp card and then just not do the effect, just in case oh, it's something bad. Nice. I might pay her a favor as another character to use her ability. Gotcha. But she can't use that for herself. So there's a little bit of a bargaining that goes on during the game. Hey, 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 you're about to roll that danger die. You want to pay me a favor? I can make you yeah, roll it yeah. twice, you know? Right. Or like uh, Frankie the Fixer lets you draw two loot tokens and put one back. You can see what you want to do that oh, way. Oh, cool. So there's a little bit of bargaining that goes on with, you know, using your abilities and getting favor tokens. Yeah. And you want to have these favor tokens because the other thing you could do with these... When someone goes back to the car and they stash their stuff that's on their bag, they're feeling good. Maybe they threw a ton of stuff in there, gold coins, gems. You didn't get much. You don't have much. You just maybe have a coin. Mm -hmm. They're back at the getaway car. You follow them there. You burn a favor token to say, hey, buddy, remember, we're supposed to be in this together. You both dump everything in your bags and you split it 50-50. But that favor token is out of the game. This is not something that gets traded around anymore. That one is burned. Nice. So you're pushing your luck. You're trying Mm -hmm. to get the good stuff. You're trying to avoid the bad stuff. There's a danger track on every room. And as the danger tokens go up, if they hit the boom, the room's going to blow up. The room goes away. No matter what. Nothing can stop that. Gotcha. So at the end, the the game ends when either all of the rooms have been destroyed and Al's mansion is just a... You know, a, a, a husk of a, yeah, heap. Just, just a <laughs> heap of rubble and debris. Or everybody's back at the getaway car at the same time. They know that these safes are low on stuff because it tells you here what's in each safe. Okay. You know that it's all dangerous, and you all say to each other, hey, let's leave Al with a shred losses. of dignity, yeah. cut our losses, get the heck out of here, and you all say, okay. Then you all empty your bags. Coins are worth one. Gems are worth five. And if you have any leftover keys, they're worth three. Okay. That's the Mansky caper. That's that, what it's all about. That sounds great. That sounds really, really fun. This is available now. This is this is a this is our uh, very first production copy. Okay. We got word today that the uh, shipment is due to leave to come to us uh, from the factory in a few weeks. Okay. So we expect to have this in August. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great. Well, this is looks like a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and the one thing I want to point out too is. We at Calliope believe in getting into the experience of the game right away. Yeah. So when you open up the box, all of these safes are pre-built. These are these are cardboard oh, safes. They are pre-built. Yeah. This storage box that comes with all the coins and everything, everything's punched and ready to go. Oh, and this nice. is going to be shrunk wrapped just like this. Wow. So when you open the box, it's all ready to go. You just pull it out and play. Absolutely. And the rule book that's in there is actually a comic book. That, that introduces all these characters. It's a quick start guide, and then it goes into the, the actual rules themselves. So okay. we wanted to make sure that you could get immersed in this world as quickly as possible and not be punching a bunch of cardboard. Because while some people enjoy that, and there's nothing wrong with that, right. we just want to get you into the experience just of robbing Al's mansion as soon as possible. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, hey, thanks so much for showing this off. 
Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to having a chance to play this one myself, and uh, looks yeah. looks like a blast. <laughs> I see what you did there, a blast. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Boom. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Mr. Jason Katarski. Hey. Green Couch Games. Uh, in in the exhibit hall at Origins, we've got a booth, and it's pretty awesome. But I hear the earth is going to explode. Yeah, time is time is running out. Time is ticking away. Uh, so tell me about this game. I Absolutely. I, I have a tragic story about this game, and I didn't get to play it because you gave me a prototype last year. Yep. And the week after Origins is when my house caught on fire, and it was one of the things that I did not get back. Yeah. And uh, so I, I looked at it and, you know, prototyped stuff but I haven't actually played it. So now you get to teach me the game. Absolutely. How about that? I'm glad to do that. We can redeem that situation a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a game designed by Adrian Adamskew and Daryl Andrews, who are a couple Canadians. They're the guys behind uh, the game Sagrada. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so great design team. Very very different game. This is a two-player-only game uh, where you have four ways to win. So you're, you're trying to be the person who gains all the glory for saving humanity by either developing technology or... Uh, finding new planets to colonize or um, really just eliminating all the other people that want the same glory as you, you know, because you just sure. want to be the last one standing. They can they can do the job. So the four ways you can win would be to colonize seven planets. You can get to seven on the technology track. You can deal seven damage. Or you can gain a ship card that has a variable end game condition in it that, that would be only available to you. Uh, and the heart of the game are these uh, these action cards. They're A, B, C, and D. They're scout, invade, occupy, and mine. Okay. And there's three phases to the game. We're gonna we're gonna place a card face down, and then reveal them simultaneously. And there's a little bit of a rock paper scissors thing that happens. So okay. the first phase would be to uh, resolve the battle. So A would deal damage and cancel B's action. Okay. And then B would deal damage and cancel C or D, if that's what your opponent played. And D would deal damage and cancel A. Gotcha. So that kind of little loop goes around. If you were not canceled, uh, then you move on to the next phase and do your special uh, special action. So your special action would be... um, to go up the technology track, to clone the C or D ability that was played by your opponent, to colonize a planet, which is the next phase, um, for less resources, or to mine resources from one of the mining facilities. Uh, so after that, you do your special action, then you can uh, purchase a planet. They all have different, not purchase a planet, but spend your resources to colonize a planet. Um, there's different combinations of um, resources that are needed. Sometimes you use your technology to, to, reso- uh, to colonize a planet. And the, the ship cards um, are something that you always get, even uh, when, whenever you play A, to scout, even if you've been dealt damage, because they resolve in alphabetical order. Okay. Uh, so you, ship cards are one-time use abilities or those variable end conditions uh, that stick with you to the end of the game. Otherwise, they're instant abilities that happen. So it might give you more resources or deal an extra damage or heal one of your damage. Okay. Uh, then the... The planet abilities come into play, and they, you can save those until you want to use them, but they still count towards your victory total that you need, whether okay. they're used or not. 
Gotcha. So it's a really quick game, about like 10 to 15 minutes per game, head-to-head. Uh, the game gets really good as you play with the same people and you get inside each other's yeah, head. It's, yeah. like, it's like that Princess Bride scenario of like, <laughs> where's the poison in my cup? You know that I know that you know right, that right. back and forth. <laughs> plus, plus you're but you're informed by the cards that come out because you can you can be behind on one of the paths to victory and the right cards can come out at the right time and you can pay attention to that and what your opponent's strategy is and shift in order to like come from behind and, nice. and be victorious and saving humanity. Very cool. So yeah, really super super fun game. Um, it's just hitting stores in June, so okay. uh, it's just just coming out right now. It's a, a Origins debut. I was gonna and say, is it available here? It is here. Can, yep, it's yeah. at Origins, twenty bucks. Awesome. Uh, and uh, the the art was done by uh, Davey Wagnerock, who like loves retro sci-fi. So yeah. he was just like super passionate about making sure we got this game right, and spent a lot of a lot of time with the detail and creating the worlds that, that yeah, we explore. Yeah, in the game. I say the so. artwork looks fantastic. Just the really cool, lush landscapes and vehicles and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it's been a fun one. So I'm excited to see it get out there in more people's hands, and uh, you know, have it uh, spread its wings and and fly <laughs> and fly. <laughs> so uh, you also. Uh, filler is a thing that's happening right now, which is so apropos for you because Perfect. so much of your games are filler. You know, it's that that great little sweet spot. Uh, talk to us just a little bit about that because I know Absolutely. it's an exciting thing happening right now. Yeah. yeah, that was a Kickstarter that just wrapped up and it, it did really well for us. Uh, it's it's by a designer named Jonathan Schaffer, who's also from Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I'm from. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he designed a game called Stroop before this. Yeah, and, I know Stroop. Yeah, yeah, Stroop's a fun one. Uh, so filler is a game about filling pastries. Uh, imagine, yeah. you know, if you've seen the show uh, Great British Bake Off, we kind of like take some nods right. to that show, but um, it's a multi-use uh, card game where there's a simultaneous reveal, but there's there's time, and you're, you're like the cards have time, they have ingredients that are available to you, they have okay. recipes that you're trying to fill on them, um, and vi- different victory points that towards the end of the game. So you're going to reveal cards at the same time, and whoever has the earliest time showed up to work first and has an opportunity to purchase cards from like the there's sort of an assembly line in the middle of things okay. that you need to fill and you're using ingredients that are in your hand already mm. to uh, to complete that recipe to add that card to your pantry. Oh, so okay. uh, it's it's kind of like not deck building but hand building because you're because everything yeah. you're getting is going back into your hand and you're using it for other things and nice. you might end up with you know 10 to 20 cards in your hand and oh. then at the end <laughs> there's like there's fame, money, and like prestige that are the ways that you score based on some set collection stuff that you're so you're trying to like get the best times, but you're trying to get the best recipes, but you're trying yeah. to get the cards that score. Really cool game. Uh, plays uh, one to six players uh, and uh, has some some neat like AI that you can play against. In yeah. it. So it, so it's not just the same simple like high score a solo game. There's there's different challenges you can take for the solo game too. So That's cool. and it'll be our first game that we hit that six player count as well. Oh wow! So, yeah, great. Yeah. And the artist for that one is a fantastic artist named Claire Donaldson who did Best Treehouse Ever Forest of Fun oh, for yeah. us. Okay. And, uh, she did uh, like food truck champion for Daily Magic games right, and right, stuff okay. too. So great, great artists. So yeah, fun art. Yeah, we're we're having fun making these little games that are quick to learn, and um, you know, you get them off the table in an hour or less, and yeah, still yeah. have a good experience. So you recently, you are like full time Green Couch Games. Yeah, as of a year ago, January. So like I'm a year and a half. Okay, in. This yeah. Is, this is what I do now. So. Yeah. How's that? How's that been for you? Like, is that transition going well? Is it? Yeah, it's it's been good. Um, it's it is 
it is something I love doing. Um, you know, it adds a little pressure when it becomes like your gig, you know, like <laughs> to make sure it's happening. But like, it, it also gives me great flexibility, like for family life, sure. which is super important to me and yeah. me and my wife and our kids. So um, it's one of those, like, it's still a growing business. So it's like full-time work when it needs to be. It's part-time work when it, when yeah. it has to be. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's really rewarding because like I get to do things that I've always loved doing, you know, managing projects, working with great people, yeah. creating something that brings people together around a shared, a shared thing, you know, that creates yeah. memories right. and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really good and we'll just keep, you know, trucking along and, and, and see how long we can we can keep putting out good games. <laughs> so cool. this year has been a little bit of a challenge because I like to do like three to four games a year, uh-huh. and I'm a little behind schedule with some manufacturing stuff right mm-hmm. now. So like I'm I'm kind of like getting a little antsy, but getting back into the convention season is great because you get all the energy from people who are yeah, excited to get yeah. your games in their hands and stuff. So it's kind of putting wind in the sails right now. That's cool. That's yeah. very cool. How's the BMX career? It's oh, it's good. I um, see you on on Facebook <laughs> all the time, posting photos of your races yes. and all that stuff. It's so cool. It's a it's my midlife crisis. Like you know, <laughs> some people buy boats and I race you kids' race bikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's something I, I do with my daughter and we love it. And uh, I got hurt a month ago, pretty bad. Like I yeah. crashed and like tore my rotator cuff. Oh, so man. like I just started racing again two weeks ago. So I'm feeling a little bit out of shape. But like right. it's the beginning of the summer, so we got a long summer ahead of us. So I just gotta. You know, keep the rubber side down and uh, no, no more crashing <laughs> shoulder first into hard, you yeah. know, dirt berms. Yeah, that'll yes. be, that'll avoid be good. that. And That's... I think I think we might be coming to Akron in oh, the yeah. fall for like a big, like uh, like the Gold Cup championship. Cool. Is that uh, the Akron BMX I'm, I'm thinking, complex or whatever? I'm thinking it is. Yeah. I know the folks that run that. Okay. They're good people. Awesome. They're good people. Yeah. That's well, very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, if you do, hit me up. I'll, for sure. That's real close to me, man. That'd be <laughs> awesome. very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for showing this. Um, good luck with everything. I, 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 every time I get to play one of your games, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. My, my boys actually just played Jurassic Attack the other day. Oh, and awesome. They still love it. So, uh, cool stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for all you're doing to like share about our our little games. Yeah, man. man. Cool. All right. There he is, Jason Katarski, uh, on Facebook, yeah. Green Couch Games, Twitter, oh, Green Couch uh, Games dot com, all yeah, that stuff. All those so, places. People can find you there, and uh, we're here at Origins. Well, there it is, folks. That is episode number 81. What a cool day we had. Like I said, we had a great turnout for our first contest, and uh, we've got more in store today, including flash contests that will happen throughout the day. So if you're at the convention, go ahead and make sure you stop by and grab a QR code from us and follow us on Twitter because we will be tweeting out throughout the day that you need to scan that code at a very particular time. And then you'll be taken to a page that gives you instructions on how to win. So uh, I got some cool prizes for that today. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we are shortly back at it here at, in the exhibit hall in about a half hour. Things are going to open up for day two. Stop on by. would love to see you, and uh, we'll have more awesome coverage for you as the day goes. Also, go ahead and tune in to Board Games Daily. We're going to have a complete set of different interviews happening there today as well. So it's just, it's, it's an amazing time. It's a great time to be alive, be a part of Theology of Games. Tune in. Thanks for joining us. And as always, I'm Jeremiah Isley, and it just so happens... 
That's How I Roll. Thanks for rolling with us today. That's How I Roll is produced by Jeremiah Isley and brought to you by Theology of Games. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and drive safe.